feeling the heavy, the weight of his presence and what he's doing, what he's, what he's releasing here. And I think this is going to only increase in the days ahead. We've been experiencing it in measure, and this is just the beginning. Get ready for more. Get ready for more. I think I read a little thing about the Azusa Street Revival the other day and how it just kept developing until there was just all day, every day, all night, every night, people together, believers, before the Lord, no one wanting to leave because he was so present, so weighty. And we believe this is coming, that it's already, the trickle has begun. There's a break that's already happened, and we're starting to encounter some of that water and the Lord is going to meet those who are going to steward that water and we're saying Lord help us to steward the water of your presence help us as a community to steward what you're doing in a way that allows you to move the way you want to move we need his help to do that you know because we're all human <laughs> we're humans and, and tendency can be just like in any other revival tendency can be to try to control or direct or, or whatever however it happens and we need it it's a cry of our hearts to say lord help us to steward this well to let you do what you want to do and to be ready in our hearts for that control is a big thing that humans deal with we want to control situations emotions services I mean that's how we have all <laughs> what we have today in the church I'm not saying it's all birth by control but I know that control is a big thing in the church we, we like it it makes us feel comfortable to be able to control our circumstances control what's happening but God can't be controlled he won't be and when his move comes he'll you will break down <laughs> he'll offend it will offend people and then prayerfully bring them to repentance. But we can start before then, right? We can be ready now and, and say, God, I repent, break control in my life. And you can have control, do what you want to do. If I'm, if we as a team or if one of us is here saying, no, we need to go longer and everyone else leaves, who cares? It doesn't matter. We've got to have the move of the spirit. We're not concerned about whether people stay or go. It's about being obedient to what the Spirit is saying. And, of course, we want everybody part. What I'm saying is there's no pressure <laughs> for anybody to feel uh, pressured to stay at something or pressured if a service goes long. And I want to emphasize that. If you have to go, you have to go. That's okay. But we'll stay here. And I, I want to make that clear, that as church family and as leaders here we'll stay here until the lord says okay and that's the type of thing we're moving into here that's what we're moving into that's the only way it's going to break through is people who are willing to let god break the boundaries and the barriers and the the parameters that we've set up so that's where we're going that's that's what we're doing it's so interesting where worship went, and, and it's going to be funny to hear me say this, that I didn't know that worship was going to go that way, <laughs> but I knew the message, and it goes together with the message. You know, that works better when <laughs> the person preaching isn't the one who is leading worship, 
but I swear, <laughs> when I was leading worship and when we had been practicing, nothing about um, the light of God was in my mind. It was just about magnifying him, getting him higher, getting our gaze on him. That kind of erupted spontaneously. And toward the end, I realized, oh, that's like my whole message today. That's cool. So if you don't believe me, that's all right, too. But there is, I believe the spirit was confirming this is where he's going. Um, yeah, <laughs> thanks, Phil. <laughs> Even if just you do, it's okay. <laughs> the Lord knows. First John chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. And I'm just going to read, it's 10 verses. I'm going to read it through, and we're going to just hit on a couple of things here. First John chapter 1. And I'm going to read from the Amplified, so it's going to be a little, little longer says, we are writing about the word of life, him who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard, whom we have seen with our own eyes, whom we have gazed upon for ourselves and have touched with our own hands. Talking about Jesus, right? He's the word of life. They had seen him, they'd heard him, they touched him. And the life and aspect of his being was revealed, made manifest and demonstrated and we saw as eyewitnesses and are testifying to and declare to you the life, the eternal life, who already existed with the Father and who actually and was who was actually made visible, was revealed to us, his followers. What we have seen and ourselves heard, we are also telling you, so that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partakers with us. In this fellowship that we have, which is a distinguishing mark of Christians, uh, we have is with the the fellowship that we have is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And we are, this is verse four. And we're now writing these things to you so that our joy in seeing you included may be full, and your joy may be complete. And this is the message, the message of promise which we have heard from Him. And now are reporting to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all, no, not in any way. So if we say we're partakers together and enjoy fellowship with him, when we live and move and are walking about in darkness, we are both speaking falsely and do not live and practice the truth which the gospel presents. But if we really are living and walking in the light as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses and removes from us from all sin and guilt. If we say we have no sin, refusing to admit that we're sinners, we delude and lead ourselves astray. And the truth with the, which the gospel presents is not in us, and it doesn't dwell in our hearts. But if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and he will forgive our sins and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we, and claim we have not sinned, we contradict his word and make him out to be false and a liar, and his word is not in us. The divine message of the gospel is not in our hearts. So this is a, 
very powerful chapter. It's been striking me for the past several days. I believe it's for the church. I believe it's for our family. We've been talking about this for weeks now, the past three weeks. Um, if you guys remember, several weeks ago, I brought a message that I felt was prophetic for the church. God is uncovering. He's bringing things to the light, and that's who he is. He is light, so he's going to shine, and anything in darkness will be exposed, and that's not a scary thing. That's a, a great and exciting thing because if we have light, we have forgiveness. If we have light, we have mercy. If we have light, we have the grace of God the love of God. The enemy is the one who deceives to say, don't go into the light because you'll be feeling shamed and God's angry at you and all that, that bunch of baloney. That's not true. The light is safety and freedom for every believer. And it breaks the power of darkness in our lives. So this is, they don't know which John this is, if it was a disciple or John the Apostle or if, uh, another John the Evangelist. I think he sounds like John the Apostle because it sounds like the book of John. And so that's where I lean. And he's saying he's heard and walked with Jesus and touched him. So that's where I lean. But that's, John is writing about the word of life, Jesus, who was manifested to him. He calls him a name, the eternal life. That I don't know, but <laughs> the way that that wrote in the Amplified struck me. The eternal life, that is Jesus, that's his name, the eternal life. We get to have him. They are testifying of him that the reader, the whole reason why they're testifying of this light that came into the world and saying he is the son of God, he's the Messiah, the reason why we testify is so that you might become a partner and a partaker of this light and goodness with us for all who receive. And those two words are really the partner and partaker um, is in verse 3. Again, you might not have these words. If they, you look in the Amplified, it's because they're giving some of the actual words that the Greek words mean. So part partner and partaker. So partner denotes relationship with people. I'm partnering with you, right? I, I'm... I'm partnering with you to partake of something from him. Does that make sense? That you might become a partner with us, linking arms with us, and that we might become partakers together of the goodness of his light. It's very key because then John goes on to speak about fellowship, and that word is koinonia. And I know we've probably, if you've been in church, especially charismatic church, you know that word. <laughs> Koinonia, it's very, I'm, I'm going to dive into that in a second, but the reason why they're preaching the gospel and, and declaring and testifying about Jesus' light is so that we could become partners, meaning linking arms with one another. We're not, uh, we say this all the time, we're not lone rangers out there just trying to encounter God on our own. His plan for the world is world domination, and it comes through his church. He's got one plan. There's no plan B. So we become partners with his family, with our brothers and sisters, to then together become partakers of life and light together. They can't be separate. Should not be separate. Should not be separate. It was meant to be. He created and designed it to be a good way. 
And this is the good way. Oh, can you hand me my phone? Where's my phone? I want to read a definition of koinonia that I got this morning. To just dive into it a little bit more. So koinonia refers to these two things, partners and partakers. It actually refers to our relationship with God. It means fellowship, connection, communion. So you can have koinonia with God, which we want to have koinonia with God, intimate communion, connection with him. And then it also refers to and indicates a, uh, refers to a special human-to-human connection among believers. So this is very special. It was a very unique thing only in the New Testament. It's a Greek word. So koinonia indicates a bond based on a shared interest or goal, which would be following after Christ, growing in his love and teachings. However, the word also emphasizes the importance of sharing material goods as a sign of following Jesus' command to love your neighbor as yourself. So we have communion, a deep relationship with one another, and it's not just in word, it's in deed. I see my brother or sister in need, and I'm giving them what they need. I'm, I'm actually taking from my own material goods, and I'm saying, I'm so con- you are my family, and I can't see my family suffer or be in need, so I'm giving of what I have so that you might have, too, what you need. So it's, it's in word and deed. In, in mar- mar- modern parlance, it might be an attempt to build a tribe of people who share interests and goals. So this is our tribe, right? We're a tribe of people who are experiencing koinonia. Jesus' fellowship followed a much higher purpose. It would also create a group of believers who served one another and sought to bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. So creating this tribe of people, I mean, when you think of tribes, they're very dedicated to one another. They're not just jumping tribe to tribe to tribe, right? They're dedicated to one another. They're part marked. This is my tribe. And so much so that we, we, in the same way that Jesus' fellowship uh, followed a much higher purpose to create believers who served one another and that we desire deeply to bear one another's burdens Say, you're going through something, I I carry it too, I feel it in my gut. When my brother or sister is carrying something, I can feel it in myself. And I I desire to carry it with you as a a part of the tribe and as a, a brother and sister in Christ. In Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, it would appear that one is reborn into this koinonia relationship with others by rebirth through the Holy Ghost. So that's how we get inducted into that fellowship is we are reborn by the Holy Ghost and we have koinonia fellowship with one another. Since it's, this is interesting too, since it's a Greek word, koinonia only appears in the New Testament between 18 and 20 times, depending on the translation. The word is significant in the New Testament writer's efforts to convey this new type of life afforded to Christians. So we know that the church began in the New Testament, right, in the book of Acts, the church exploded. And so then the, the apostles are then saying, how can we describe what this group of people is supposed to be, what, what the fellowship is 
to be like, and the word koinonia is what was used. Koinonia suggests a bond distinct from the biological one that was so important in the Old Testament where family and lineage were paramount. In other words, few relationships or arrangements were so strong as to draw someone away voluntarily from their vi biological family into a new kind of family. That's the strength of that word. In the Old Testament, the centerpiece was the family, and obviously the church is a family of families. We're not saying, oh, leave your family. and That'd be kind of cultish, right? Just ditch your family and join the church. But there is a distinction made that people voluntarily did say, no, I'm part of a new family now. So if my family's unbelievers, I have deeper relationship and fellowship with the body, with the family of Christ, than I do with my own family. That is what happened in the New Testament. And they even said that, that phrase, blood is thicker than water. We think of that and use it today as our natural families, like blood they're in my bloodline. No, it's blood. The blood of Jesus is thicker than water, meaning you're being born into your family. Blood is thicker than water. The blood of Jesus, my brother and sister here, my connection is thicker than that of maybe an unbeliever in my family. Now, if it's a family member who's a believer, then blood is still thicker than water. My relationship with them is going to be just as deep and probably deeper still than just a normal family relationship because we also have the spirit and we're also seeing one another in Christ and no longer just as family members. That's what, ha that's what happened to me when I needed to forgive my dad for some deep, deep stuff. He's a believer. He messed up big time in his life. And I carried this frustration and bitterness and all this stuff against him. And it wasn't until I realized he's my dad, but he's also, and even more so, my brother in the Lord for eternity. He will be my brother in the Lord. And he, and just as I could forgive any of my brothers or sisters in the Lord, I could forgive my dad as my brother in the Lord, recognizing he went through a really hard time and he needs my forgiveness. He hurt me deeply, and he needs my forgiveness. He's my brother in the Lord. And that shifted something in my mind where I wasn't carrying this weight of expectation for dad, and I saw this man who I love to call father as my brother in the Lord, and I was able to release him. That's, that's blood thicker than water type of love, type of relationship that goes deep. So this is koinonia, deep communion and fellowship with one another is a byproduct of fellowship with Christ. If you look at verse 6, I love that he writes this because it's so true. In verse 6 he said, so if we are partakers together and enjoy fellowship with him when we live and move and are walking about, oh, sorry, this is the wrong part, um, so it says, so if we say we are part, par, this is verse 6, part, partakers together enjoy fellowship with him when we live and move and are walking about in darkness, we're both speaking fa falsely and do not live and practice the truth. So what I'm going to hit on that before I get to verse 7, which is where I was just going. 
So what does it li- mean to live and move and walk in darkness? That's important to know, right? We got to know if we're walking in darkness or not, because if we are, we might be even, I think it's Paul who says, when we think the light in us, when we think the darkness in us is light, how deep is that darkness, <laughs> right? So we need to know what darkness is. Because fellowship with the God produces light in us. So darkness could be, uh, you know, I know you always go into these big sins, right? Like (laughs) adultery is darkness. It is darkness. That is darkness. Sexual immorality, darkness. But that's where we, we always go to like those two big ones. Adultery, sexual sin. Yeah, those are darkness. You know what's also darkness? Gossip, slander. Just as much as adultery and sexual immorality. If you're at your home and you're slandering a brother or sister in the Lord, that is darkness. That is the, the goo of the enemy that's just sliming. It's, it's gross. It's disgusting. Unforgiveness is darkness. Bitterness is darkness, if you have bitterness in your heart, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, if you can't think of someone in the body the way that Jesus thinks of them and you're constantly, oh, this person irks me and they make me mad and this is what they do and all this stuff, that's darkness. That's not the mind of Christ. That's not the heart of Christ. That's not the love of Christ. Koinonia is, this person hurt me. They're my brother and sister. I'm going to go to them, and I'm going to talk to them and say, hey, that, you know, this situation happened, and that hurt, and I love you, and I want our relationship to be restored. That's koinonia. Darkness is me sitting at my home just, I'm going to tell everybody I know that how horrible this person is and what they did, how horrible it was. And who do they think they are? And I don't go to that person. I just stay at home. That's darkness. See the difference? It's not saying we don't have problems with one another. We're a family. Of course we're going to have problems. (laughs) Of course we're going to have problems. Light. When you have a problem and you have light in you, you go to that person and say, Kiara, you know what, Kiara? I don't even know what you could have done to make me mad at you. It's just so smiley and light. But if I had something with Kiara, I might process it with my husband first and say, okay, I need to go talk to her. But there would be no anger, bitterness, dark, blah feeling. It would be, I need to go get this right with Kiara because she's my sister and I love her. And I don't want any break in that relationship. I don't want any break in that koinonia. So I'm going to go and I'm going to share and say, this is what's going on. Lying is darkness. Anger, unrighteous anger is darkness. If you have explosive bouts of anger in your home, that's darkness. There's a righteous type of anger and there's unrighteous anger. And I'm talking about unrighteous anger here. If you have explosive bouts of anger in your home, that's something I got freed from. I, 
uh, you look at me, you're like, are you, a, you're, you had explosive bouts of anger? I wasn't very externally explosive. I was internally explosive. So it would be in my mind and in my heart. So it could be either. An explosive bout could be that people are seeing it demonstratively or you're just fuming on the inside and you have enough self-control, like I did, that I thought, I'm just fighting against, oh, I'm supposed to be a good Christian. Mm. But I was dealing with anger and I couldn't get over it. I couldn't control it. And then the Lord set me free because I realized that's not me. That rhymed. The Lord set me free because I realized that's not me. That was darkness in my life. It was an unclean thing that it had been given access through trauma in my childhood. And there's freedom for that. That's darkness. So if we say we have fellowship with the light, and yet we walk in darkness, and we live and move and are walking about in darkness, we're both speaking falsely and don't live and practice the truth. That's hypocrisy, right? When you're, when you're saying, oh, yeah, I love the light. I love the light. Oh, God, let there be light in my life. <laughs> I just love the light. Then you go home and you're just slander, gossip, anger. Don't treat my spouse well. Don't treat my kids well. You're a hypocrite, or I'm a hypocrite if I do that. We're walking in hypocrisy, and we're not walking in the light. And God wants us to be set free from that. It's not condemnation, but there should be conviction of, ooh, okay, well, then there might be some areas I'm not walking in the light, and I need God to set me free so I can. So I'm going to come into the light. I'm going to confess my sin, bring it into the light, and receive God's mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, and his love just wash over me. There's only goodness in the light. He's not saying, come into the light so I can make you feel horrible about your sin. <laughs> That's not what he does. That's not his nature. That's the nature of the enemy. And then verse 7. This is so key. So if we're walking in, we're saying we're walking in light, but living in darkness, we're speaking falsely. And we need freedom. We need to come into the light. But if we really are living and walking in the light as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses and removes from us from all sin and guilt. The byproduct of walking in the light, what does it say here? You're going to move in signs and wonders near us? Nope, that's not what it says. You're going to prophesy to the mountains and they'll be removed? Is that what it says? If you're walking in the light, the byproduct of walking in the light is true, unbroken fellowship with one another. <laughs> a, a very clear way to find out if you're not in the light is, do I have broken relationship <laughs> with believers, with the church family? If there is, get it right. Welcome the light of God, because the byproduct of light is going to be that I have deep friendship and love and care, it's true sincerity in my heart that I care 
about those around me, those in this family, other believers. That will be the sign to you that you know, yes, I'm walking in the light. I'm walking in the light. There aren't walls. Oh, I forgot. That was one of the things for, for darkness. I want to read a couple of these other things about darkness because I felt like the Lord gave them to me that if we're so that we can stop partnering with it. And again, I can't emphasize enough. Don't go into condemnation or shame. Let it be light to you. <laughs> Where you say, oh, wow, that's me. Yes, I want freedom from that. I don't want to be in darkness. So some of darkness is isolating. Just pulling back, pulling back, pulling back. Because again, light is fellowship. Darkness is isolation. Pretty clear. Hiding, not being your true self or not letting yourself be known. You could come to church. Do you know how many people just come to a service Sunday and are not known? You don't really know them. Oh, yeah, I might know their name, where they're from. They have family and kids. But I don't know them because there's walls up. So many walls up. I don't know what they're struggling with. I don't know what they're going through. I don't know what their history is. And if I'm going to walk in true koinonia with anyone in this room, I need to know you and you need to know me. What I'm going through, what you're going through, how we can link arms together and bear one another's burdens and love one another through every season high and low in life. We must be known. So darkness is having all the walls up, not revealing true feelings, true thoughts. And then not having true fellowship with the family. Again, making this just a Sunday gathering and, yep, two hours on my checklist and done, and I'm a Christian. That's not koinonia. That's not true fellowship with the body. That's why we give so many opportunities for gathering through the week. It's not to have just a bunch of programs. Trust me, if it was just about programs... <laughs> I would definitely cross a lot of things off my list throughout the week and have a lot freer week. <laughs> That's not what it's about. It's about relationship. It's about deep fellowship that I could be known by you and that you could be known by me and that we could grow in deep relationship with one another. That's how we're going to stand in the end of time. That's how we're going to stand when, when spiritual warfare comes, when the pushback comes. I can't, I need the body around me. You saw me weeping here weeks ago. I need the body around me to lift my hands up in warfare. You need the body around you to lift your hands up in warfare. That's what the body's for. You won't have that unless you have true koinonia fellowship and you let your walls down and you're honest about what's truly going on inside So the, the byproduct of light is that we have true, unbroken fellowship with one another, and that's the goal. And the blood of Christ is washing us continually from all sin. That's a beautiful picture, right? We're just free, being washed regularly. No condemnation, no, uh, and, and nothing holding us back. And then verse 8, if we say we have no sin, refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude and lead ourselves astray, and the truth is not in us. 
So if we're saying, I mean, I, I can't say this enough, we say it about encounter weekends. I could go to an encounter weekend tomorrow myself, participate, and the Lord would shine something in my heart, and I'd say, oh, <laughs> got to nail that to the cross, because I'm in process. I'm not perfect like Jesus yet. <laughs> oh, that's the goal. Absolutely, that's the goal. But I could go to an encounter weekend tomorrow, and, and probably the Lord would give me, if not one, maybe a lot more things. <laughs> that say, Wesley, you need to deal with this. You got to get this out of your heart. And I'm, I'm fine to say that, and I love to nail it to the cross and say, woohoo, freedom. I don't want to carry that junk anymore. That's what we believe here. We're all in process to become like Jesus, be in his image more and more. But if we're constantly saying, no, nah, I don't got nothing. I don't have no sin. I don't got anything in my life. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just like, we both know you're not. <laughs> the Spirit of God knows you're not. I know you're not because I love Jesus with my entire being, and I welcome his fire, and there's still things that come up <laughs> when I go to the cross and say, Lord, search me and know me. And I have ears to hear because I know he loves me, and I'm okay with him telling me. In fact, I welcome him telling me. What needs to be dealt with? I say, yes, Lord, let me know, because I'm going to get it on that cross, and then I'm going to be free and walk in greater and greater measures of freedom, which will bring greater and greater measures of authority in your life. And that's what we're after, because we're going to tear down. We are already tearing down strongholds in the land, and there's more to be torn down. And we have to get deal with the stuff on the inside so we can have authority corporately to tear down strongholds in the land. That is the purpose for the church of the living God. We are not a social club. We are tearing down strongholds in the land so that people could have ears to hear the gospel and receive it. We will not get there if we are harboring bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, having walls up, not being vulnerable, not being known. We won't get there. We've got to have it. And, and it's a result of the light. It's a byproduct. So if you find yourself saying, yeah, I don't have that, go get fellowship with the Father. It's not about striving to do something. Oh, I've got to just work harder. No, you don't. If you have fellowship with the light, the byproduct, the outcome, the consequence of that will be unbroken fellowship with one another. So you say, oh, yeah, I'm walking in some of these places. Okay, go to the light. Nail that thing to the cross and say, Lord, flood me with your light. <laughs> flood me with your light. Fill me with your love. That's what we were saying last week at the end of Stu's message. If you have an issue in your life, what's going to solve that? The love of the Father not you striving to try to break off a sin in your life or do things better or do your checklist of religious duties. It will be the love of the Father. It will be the light of Christ that will naturally, it's what happens when we receive from his love. It's what happens when we read the word and let it be light. It says, this, your word is a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet. It's light. I let his light shine in my heart. 
and illuminate anything there. And then I can walk in true fellowship with those around me. And that's what we desire. And it says then, it, but if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, so I admit, oh yeah, I have lots of sins in my past, but then I have current things that, I, that the Lord brings up to me. You need to deal with this, Wesley, or that thought was not me. <laughs> you confess those things, bring it into the light. Break the power of the enemy in the moment. Don't give him access. Don't give him agreement. If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins, cleansing us continually from all unrighteousness. That's his goodness. That's the beauty of who our Savior is. Again, he's not waiting to push you into the ground and smother you and make you feel terrible for sin. He's ready and saying, come on, come into the light, and we're going to nail that thing to the cross so you can be free and really free and really free and have fellowship with one another. And this is the invitation for this family in the season we're in right now because if we don't get this, we will just produce well, no, Lord, that will not happen. We'll stop before <laughs> it gets there. I was going to say, we, we will produce some religious activity. And I'm like, no, I'll be like, peace out. <laughs> See you later, can't do that. That won't happen, but that's not what we want, right? A and if we're going to reproduce other believers, new believers coming in, people who don't know the Lord, we want to set an example in the way that we live in the way that we treat one another, in our relationships with one another, and the way that we're vulnerable and open and honest. We don't try to hide and pretend to be something that we're not. That we could just say, nope, here I am. That's just who I am. God sees it anyway. He's, I need his trust more than I need your trust. <laughs> he sees it anyway, so I can just be me. You could see all of me, all my faults, all my failures. I'll be free to, to share with you. If you even want to ask, Wesley, I need to know. What is it that you wrestle with? Come, I'll, I'll share. Because that's what it means. That's I want true fellowship with the believers. Often I share from here, from the microphone, on recording, for many others to hear. <laughs> And that's what our encounter weekends also do. They prepare you and get you ready to say, here I am, who cares? <laughs> Let me just say it out loud because it's in the light and that's not who I am anymore. There's joy in it. It's not who I am anymore. So I just want to leave that with you. I encourage you to meditate on this chapter throughout this week. Talk about it in your homes. Talk about it with the family, with others in the family, process it together, and, and really ask the Lord, is there darkness in me? Is there something that needs your light? Let me, let me look here. Shine your light on me, God. Shine your light on my thoughts. Shine your light on my heart. I want to emphasize, come to encounters. You know, this year we've had more guys sign up than girls so far, which is great. That never happens. But I really feel like there's more ladies that need to come. So if you also know of anybody that you say, you know what, I think this person keeps coming to mind. I'm going to invite them to encounter. 
invite them, get them online and, and sign up because it's going to be coming up in the, in the next couple of weeks here. And they're going to be powerful, powerful times of freedom and equipping you to walk other people into freedom as well. I want just so just dwell on these things. Let the Holy Spirit examine in your heart if there's any place that needs the light of God and, and walk in it. Because otherwise, more bondage will come and more darkness will come. And you don't want that and we don't want that. Don't make agreement with darkness. It will only bring depression, sadness, isolation, uh, and, and a whole other realm of things that you don't want and I don't want. Amen. All right. Well, let's just, let's just pray. Jesus, you are awesome, and we love you. You are light, and we love the light. You are life, and we love your life, God. Thank you. Thank you for br making the way for us to come in and, and walk in freedom and be known by one another and be known by you. And I just pray that for this family, those here and those not here today, God, that we would grow in our fellowship with one another, that it would go deeper and deeper, our relationship, our love for one another, that your light would just fill us and the byproduct would be deep love and relationship with one another. No hiding. No hiding. Let every wall just break down, even in the, in the months to come, weeks and months to come. Let every wall just break down in our hearts, wherever the fears are. Let them break in Jesus' name. Let your light just shine in us and break fear. In Jesus' name, we love you. Thank you for the work you're doing in us and for all that you have for us to steward in the days ahead. We trust you. You are the one building your church, and we follow your leadership. In Jesus' name, amen.